Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by His Word. God bless. Before we, we jump into the message for today, I just want to say thank you, and if we could all show our appreciation to the wonderful, faithful volunteers who regularly give of their time and effort uh, to train up our children in the way of the Lord. Um, I often forget to dismiss the children, uh, but I've made sure to record it in my notes this morning to not only dismiss them, but to ensure that I make up for all my forgetfulness and never forgetting to show thanks and appreciation to all of our volunteer helpers, our workers here at Lighthouse. Um, and, and there's so much more than volunteers. There's so much more than just helpers. They are laborers in the vineyard uh, of, of, of God's uh, mighty kingdom. And so I pray God's blessings on their ministries. I, play, I pray that every effort that you who put your hands to the Lord's work God will enrich you for the kingdom, uh, for your kingdom work, and that he would also prosper you with every blessing, and that he would pour out upon his faithful uh, laborers every blessing. So, then without further ado, I greet you. Good morning, Lighthouse Church family. And once again, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas season. Uh, and this marks the third and final week of my sermon series on deconstructing Advent, the season we find ourselves in, or at least it will be my last opportunity uh, to preach to you during this Advent season. However, many of you will know that Advent is traditionally spanned over four to five services, drawing ever nearer to the Christmas Eve services that Christians consider with such fondness. In a more traditional church who took a more traditional approach to the ritual of lighting the Advent wreath to mark the end of the old and beginning of the new liturgical year, you would finally arrive at the fifth candle found in the wreath that marks the arrival of Christ, known as the Christ candle. And this uh, would be lit to mark the remembrance of that faithful night uh, 2,000 years ago in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. And under other circumstances, perhaps I would have preached four services or, or even five to discuss the intricacies of joy and peace that Jesus brought with him to the crib of hay uh, as he laid upon straw in the manger, what joy would have filled Mary and Joseph's eyes, and what feelings of assurance and peace would have come to the, the shepherds and the magi, unaware of how peace could come in such a meek and humble form. Before finally lighting that, that final Christ candle, reading the story of the nativity out of Luke and delighting in the arrival of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what a momentous occasion this would have been. But alas, not for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. For this season, Christmas Eve just so happens to find itself also on a Sunday. And with Caitlin and I traveling out of town to be with family, uh, that weekend, as is part of, of one of the many joys of the Christmas season, traveling far and wide through Canadian winter weather, I will instead entrust you all with our beloved lead pastor, who will illustrate the beauty of that nativity scene at our Christmas Eve services, uh, taking place both morning and night. If you need more information on any of the services, we will uh, discuss those after uh, the sermon today in our announcements, but... Uh, please see the announcements at any time on our projector posted to the bulletin board in the foyer. And uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, uh, if you want brownie points with myself and with our social media manager, Ethan Carrier, please check our Instagram, our Facebook pages. They have all the updates you will ever need on our, not just our Christmas Eve services or our New Year's services, but all that goes on here at the Lighthouse. 
But as I wrestled with this decision uh, of how to approach this setback, that, that Christmas Eve, I, I, Caitlin and I will be away, um, and I would like to have done uh, four, maybe five uh, Advent services or deconstructing Advent services, I came to a realization that while I know our Christmas Eve services will focus upon the beauty of the nativity, that with the many scripture readings that will be read to all in attendance, the accounts of Jesus' birth, which will be recited in every effort to paint that picture, that beautiful picture in our collective imaginations, the image of this miraculous scene. The portrait of angels worshiping from on high contrasted with the lowly shepherds and livestock surrounding him, juxtaposed also against the magi with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh fit for a king. With pride glistening in the eyes of Mary and Joseph, there will be a baby boy central to this portrayal of the most marvelous of occasions, the boy Jesus garnering all of the hope, all of the love, joy, and peace that we will have spoken of. That the angels, shepherds, and wise men would have placed him in, and in our collective view of this magnificent scene, will lay the baby boy, worthy of it all, central to the picture. Our Savior finally come, arrive suddenly, at once, the advent of all advents. And so it was clear to me that this occasion deserves its own view. A focus that does not seek to deconstruct or for us to attempt to pull apart and to solve this passage to reach for some theological conclusion about the reason for it. The nativity scene, the Christmas Eve service as it pertains to the celebration and viewing of that wonderful scene deserves to be observed, not analyzed and assessed. And so it made sense to me to tackle both joy and peace upon the same week. For what is one without the other? Can I have peace without joy or joy without peace? Perhaps. But the birth of Jesus cannot be had one without the other. In life, I can have peace over a circumstance that, give, that brings me great sadness, frustration. And by seeking understanding, I can resolve myself to have peace over this situation that is devoid of joy. And similarly in life, a person can find joy in a setting that makes them uncomfortable by pushing the boundaries of what they would normally find uncomfortable in being stretched by hopefully, uh, to hopefully find something that will make them happy, even if it weren't always the case before. The ideas of joy and peace in life can coexist, or they can be found in more separate instances devoid of one another. But the exceptional case of matchless joy and perfect peace can only be found in that baby boy that lays in the manger. The case that is exceptional above all others, that there will be those in life that resolve themselves to have peace when there is nothing to be joyful over, or to be joyful in, in situations where peace is difficult to attain. The exceptional case I speak of with matchless joy and perfect peace found only in Christ Jesus that believers cling to all across this globe and resolve themselves to it in spite of all other situation and circumstance. Because the fact of the matter is this. We can each think of an instance in our life where we had no joy but resolved ourselves to at least find peace. In the mystery of not knowing why something tragic has happened, we have to at least come to terms with that difficult circumstance we faced in order to have peace moving forward in our lives. You will often hear the phrase, I have peace over that situation now. 
whether it be the loss of a loved one or an accident that changed your life forever, whatever it may be, people across the globe are looking to at least find peace in uncertain, unjoyful situations. Or perhaps there are those in this world who are seeking for the opposite, looking to be stretched and find joy where there isn't always peace. Some may be quitting a thankless, unfulfilling job to pursue a passion that they have in life that can be very unsettling. Or leaving home to pursue new ventures. For others, it is leaving behind your old home or a city to escape a difficult past or a toxic home environment. And and while you're leaving behind challenges, you are now also facing the uncertainty of tomorrow. And with that uncertainty of what tomorrow brings or a new opportunity provides, it doesn't always come with that peace, that feeling of peace, that everything will work out. But you do so anyways with the hope that joy can be found because you cannot always continue living your life without joy. The truth is when everything is good in life, when joy and peace are both available to you and everything is coming up, sunshine and rainbows, life is easy. When your bills are taken care of, when there's food in the fridge, when your family is taken care of, it can be easy to find joy. It can be easy to attain to peace. But when things start to go awry, when the electricity bill hasn't been paid this month or for a number of months, when the pantry starts to get a little empty, when when a loved one falls ill and gets very sick, suddenly your peace and your joy go too. In fact, even when you have all of those things in place, sometimes the enemy will come to steal, to kill, to destroy what peace you have, to rob you of your joy. Your mental health takes a downturn and suddenly, even though you're perfectly healthy physically, all of your needs are met. Suddenly anxiety comes and steals your peace and depression comes and it will steal your joy. You can take my word for it. I've seen it happen in my own life. The truth is you can have peace and joy at the same time. Or in life, you, perhaps you can struggle with one and not, and not have the other. But what do you do when both go away? Or why would we bother to go on struggling, managing to attain to just one? Even in having both joy and peace for a time, it is hard to justify ignoring the truth. When we know that both can go so quickly... And I tell you instead of a story found in an old book that says you can have both joy and peace in spite of everything, that in any situation you can attain to both. To listen to a man that tells us he knows how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and still he says he has found the way to be content, indeed to be joyful and have peace no matter what his circumstance may provide, both physically and in terms of having peace and joy made readily available to him. He tells us it does not matter what he has had, what he hasn't had. He says he is strengthened by the faith he placed in the one who strengthens him. This is a man named Paul who was once called Saul of Tarsus, who would have lived to hear the news in the coming days after the so-called Messiah was born in Bethlehem that fateful night. What is this secret? How did he find it and how does he live in it? 
and perhaps of the utmost importance in this, the, this dissection of the Advent season, what message of joy and peace does the, the Christmas season truly bring to us? What is it that we can cling to in this season? And for many seasons to come, how is it possible to experience joy or peace when life brings inescapable obstacles that seem to cloud our view that these feelings aren't always attainable? That in spite of whether we are brought high or low, near or far from the ones we love, in the comfort or safety uh, of of our homes or in war-torn countries, around the, the Christmas tree with loved ones or in a homeless shelter, seemingly destitute and alone, in gain or loss, in plenty or hunger, in abundance or need, I promise you that these things you face are not the truth, but the opportunity for God to be glorified. That when Jesus came, he had made a way to be strengthened and delight in the truth. That this Christmas season, you can receive a way to matchless joy and perfect peace no matter where you find yourself. As scripture tells us, it is so often not our understanding uh, why we find ourselves in the circumstances that we do. I can't understand why I am where I am. I think of the story of Jesus and the blind man and the wisdom which was given that was, to me, so much more powerful than even the miracle he performed. I find we can read story like, stories like these uh, from Jesus' life and fixate on the miracles or the events and neglect the truth that Jesus came to impart to us, as it is written in John 9. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a, blind, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." After saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked, he replied. The man they called Jesus put some mud, made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Do not hear the story and simply marvel at the man Jesus and his miracles we celebrate at Christmas time, but hear what it is that he imparts to us. For it is not by our sin or by any merit of man that we find ourselves in the circumstances we find ourselves in. To each one is given a unique way to experience the glory of God. That to each one a testimony is given of God's goodness and faithfulness to us. That the truth of the gospel is this, that to each one, in spite of our merit, Christ has offered us the inheritance of grace. That no matter where you have found yourself before, or where you are going, no matter the situation or circumstance you find yourself in today, God has has a longing to display his mercy and grace to you right now. 
that you would be saved not just from your sin, but from your hopeless, loveless, peaceless, joyless world that you are living in. A boy was sent 2,000 years ago, in fact, to deliver you from every blight of sin and the enemy to experience freedom, to experience a love so transformative, to be given matchless joy and perfect peace. This is the glory of God that is revealed in you and I. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, we read this angelic proclamation to the shepherds on that holy night, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. In the same breath that these angels proclaim, do not be afraid, they are saying, be at peace, shepherds. You have no reason to fear but the opposite. Find peace in the message of good news, which will also be a great joy to you and to all people. That the Messiah has come, the Savior, our Lord, is born unto us, and with him he ushers in the message, the good news, the proclamation that man will not fear any longer. Not death, nor anything in this life can dispel the peace and joy that come from Christ Jesus. How can we be so sure of this promise of the angels? Well, it also came from the lips of our very own Messiah. Himself, when he had grown in wisdom and stature, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That it is only in knowing that Jesus has overcome the world that we can find peace and joy in any situation that we find ourselves in. What is it you are facing that Jesus has not already overcome? That the glory of God is revealed in knowing that if Jesus made a way for the blind to see, if he made a way for the lame to walk, for the sinner to be forgiven, that a way will surely be made in our circumstance as well. His grace was not just to that blind man or to that lame person that he healed. It wasn't just to the sinners on the cross that he forgave. He gave opportunity for each and every single one to seek that grace in their own life, in their own circumstance. His covering is for all. That it no longer becomes about what we have or what we are capable of resolving ourselves to it is truly because life is so difficult. It is truly because we are insufficient that, that God's glory is revealed. That sounds counterintuitive. How can it be because I am weak? How can it be because this, this life is hard? How can it be that because this world is broken that God's glory is revealed? That when peace and joy are marred and clouded by the uncertainty of life, as the fog clears, one thing remains, one powerful truth shines through the darkness, through this fog to reveal that it is precisely because we are insufficient. That because the world is empty of peace and joy that we are seeking, that we can adhere to the truth. That the only way to cling to peace and joy in this life is to cling also to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That as uncertainty and sin fall away, or more accurately, as we pull these weights from ourselves of, of, of doubt, of fear, of, of joylessness, 
you pull those weights from yourself and the onus of our difficulty coming from the pursuits of circumstances and new situations in our lives as we seek this answer that we have not been able to find or what we have held on to, it cannot be about us. We will try again and again and we will fail. It has to be about him. It cannot be about us. We have failed time and again to find lasting peace and joy. But Christ has already said, I offered it to you. The moment that I was born, the moment I died, I made a way. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, For since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That peace and joy were won for you already. Victory was assured, and the weights of sin, shame, anxiety, and depression were conquered when Jesus overcame the world and made a way into relationship with God the Father. That in all of our efforts to try to find peace in our situations that had no joy, we failed to recognize that every effort we made was in vain. For it did not account for the free gift that God says, take heart in me. You can find joy in me. The one who overcame death and the dominion of sin who casts down the darkness, the way, the works of darkness. He has promised you, he is with you, and he is your God. What do you have left to fear when he says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, says Isaiah 41. What could you possibly still fear? Your wallet may be penniless and your refrigerator may be empty, but look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. They do not stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they? To those who are sick or lame, God has said, I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord. And indeed, Jeremiah says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. And this praise that is welled up from this place of joy that says, I will give you praise for your goodness, for bringing me this perfect peace, for bringing me a life of great blessings, but in spite of the hardship, or even, I should say, because of the hardship, we give God the glory. For Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Hear this. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. I have told you that it is precisely because of our insufficiency. It is precisely because the world is so hard and so broken, devoid of peace and joy, that we give God the glory and God's glory is revealed to us. This is the good news. This 
is the proclamation of joy. It is not a fleeting emotion tied to the temporal pleasures of this world which ebb and flow. It is a profound and everlasting joy that springs up from the very essence of Jesus' birth, which says it is not the ones who have everything the world has to offer and experience no suffering. It is the afflicted who hear and rejoice. Because even when life is hard, when we, uh, even, because even when life is hard, we don't give thanks to God for what we have or what we do not have, says Paul. The secret to joy in all seasons is that Christ has delivered us from our fears. The joy of Christmas is rooted in the promise of a Savior who comes to bring salvation, redemption, and reconciliation to a broken world and to the brokenness of our own lives. To the circumstances, the trials, and the tribulations, every plot, every intent of the enemy that will come to steal your joy and peace, Christ has come to set the captive free. He has come to deliver us from sin and deliver instead a better way. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 6 to 7, reminds us that peace is made available through Christ. When he says, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That peace and joy are not experiences. I'm telling you that this morning. They are not feelings. They are a condition of the heart. They are a fruit of the Spirit, which becomes a life in the believer. That we will give thanks to Him for delivering us from our anxiety of what tomorrow may bring, knowing that our greatest joy is being found in Him today and forevermore. That no matter how far from the comforts of home life brings us, or who we are around the Christmas tree with or without this season, we know that heaven is our home where we will be reunited with all of our lost loved ones and most importantly united at last with our Heavenly Father to dwell in His presence for all of eternity. We don't have to fear what obstacles or uncertainty life may bring anymore. We do not have to fear this world at all. The command to those who need joy and peace in all situations is this. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For what purpose did Jesus go to the cross? Says Hebrews 12. For what purpose did he endure the cross, despise the shame? What reason was he separate of the Father? It was for the joy that was set before him. What is this joy that we speak of at Christmas that is matchless and attainable in all situations, in all circumstance? It was in knowing you, in overcoming every obstacle that would beset you from experiencing the love of the Father to free you from your sin, to deliver you from the world and its fears. He bore the same and endured the cross so that you would be free to experience peace and joy where he could not in hopes that you may receive it in thanksgiving, to be grateful for the hope that we have in him. 
He came to be born in the manger in an act of perfect love to bring hope to the hopeless, to demonstrate a love unbeknownst to man, to give matchless joy to a restless people looking in all the wrong places, finding themselves unfulfilled, altogether unhappy. He came in a world that was marred by uncertainty and anxiety that very much parallels the world we live in. This peace that Jesus came to bring perfect peace truly is unparalleled. It is not the peace that the world offers, a temporary calm that can be shattered by the storms of life, but a deep and abiding peace that originates in a relationship with the Prince of Peace. This is the longing of Advent now realized in the lives of the believers all across this world and in that great cloud of witnesses experiencing now, finally, the fullness of God's presence for all eternity, eagerly awaiting for his bride to be taken up and to delight in his hope, love, joy, and peace this Christmas and forevermore. So as we celebrate Christmas, let us remember that our joy and peace are found in Jesus. They are not contingent upon your circumstance. They are not subject to the ebb and flow of life's challenges. Instead, they are rooted in the unchanging nature of a Savior who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can place your faith in the rock. That when the seasons of life change, when the storms and the winds come, you will not be shaken because you have planted yourself upon the only thing that remains the same, yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful. In placing our faith in the arrival of Jesus on Christmas, and I will close with this, his eventual arrival again to rapture his people with him, that we find the key to unlocking enduring joy. It is in this that we find peace beyond every contingency. It is a faith that looks beyond the manger to the cross, recognizing that the baby who was born in Bethlehem would one day bear the weight of our sins and provide the ultimate sacrifice for our redemption. This Christmas, I, I, I beg of you, let us fix our eyes upon Jesus. The true reason for the season, may his joy fill our hearts and his peace guard our minds. In a world that offers many distractions and substitutes, let us stand firm in the truth that there is nothing else that can compare to the joy and peace found in the person of Jesus Christ. And may we, like the shepherds, the Magi, and his faithful parents, Mary and Joseph, respond also to the good news with awe and adoration. I'm going to call the worship team back up at this time. We are, we're going to close with, with a, a song of worship that we would give praise to the Lord, that may our lives be a testament to the unmatched joy and peace that Christ brings into our hearts forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray a, a quick prayer uh, that, that we would allow the Lord to, to infiltrate our hearts, that we would allow the Lord to come into our homes this Christmas, that as we, we find ourselves around the, the Christmas tree this season, uh, that it does not matter if the tree were there at all. It does not matter if the presents were found under. It does not matter if we light the candles upon a tree. We cling to this truth that when Jesus Christ arrived 2,000 years ago, he came with him bringing hope, 
love, joy, and peace that we may experience forever. Let us celebrate that this Christmas season. Amen? Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this truth, the message that, that brings us a hope where the world provides none, a love that is, is unattainable to man uh, unless it is first planted by that, that seed of love when you sent your son to this world to die for us, Lord, that we may experience perfect love that would sacrifice all else for the other. Lord, that in this season we would experience the joy and peace that comes from the, the, the Father, that comes from the Son, that comes from the Holy Spirit's working in and through us. Lord, let us live a life that is inspired by, by Jesus Christ, uh, the, the, the boy who laid in the manger, the man who hung upon the cross, and we know now is risen, seated at the right hand of the Father, calling us forward into hope, love, joy, and peace to demonstrate each and every single one of these things to those around us. Lord, let your Holy Spirit do this work in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.